Well, hello everybody. My name is Matt Dabbs, and I am the lead church planter of Backyard Church in Auburn, Alabama. I'm also the editor of wineskins.org and Wineskins YouTube channel, Wineskins podcast. And uh, if you enjoy this content, then I invite you to come and watch, listen, read more at uh, YouTube, at the podcast, and on wineskins.org. So I appreciate you tuning in to this lecture. And I want to talk a bit about our movement, the restoration movement. There are a lot of things that I really love about our movement. There are things that I respect about our movement. It is embedded in my DNA, a love of scripture, a love for people, taking God seriously, trying to follow Jesus, be obedient to God. All those things are, are very important things, pivotal things. And I think that that's not the entire picture. And I think there are several things that are worth pointing out that if we embrace in some specific ways, I think there are some really wonderful days ahead. But I think we're going to have to make a turn in our perspective and approach and understand some of the weaknesses that have come along with the way that we have tried to restore New Testament Christianity. So that's what we're going to dive into in this lecture, the three things that we can do to get ourselves back on track within the restoration movement in general and Churches of Christ in particular. I'm appreciative of you listening to this. Let's talk a little bit about becoming the early church. This is something that Churches of Christ have in their DNA, restoring New Testament Christianity. What does that really entail? What were they really trying to do? What really was their identity and mission in early Christianity? If we're going to imitate them, then we need to get a deep dive on exactly who they were, what they were like, and what was going on in the early church. There can be so much complexity to restoring New Testament Christianity that we made a real misstep by boiling it down to things like five acts of worship, that for the church to be the church, that there needs to be giving, singing, praying, time in the Word, and Lord's Supper. And we really boiled things down into a formula, or also five, uh, five steps of salvation, to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. We have these really nice, tidy lists that don't necessarily make you a spiritual person. They don't necessarily make you a Jesus person. They just mean that you've learned the formula. And there's a lot that's missing in that. So I want to talk about what it would actually look like to restore New Testament Christianity. Because we've said, well, if we just teach what they taught, then we will be who they were. Well, the problem with that is, is that there are so many things we know that we still don't live into. There are so many things, it's what sin is, right? Because we know what God said, and yet we do something else. So it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to be transformed. And knowledge does not necessarily equal spiritual formation or transformation. And it's very important, we were just talking to our kids the other day. So we were just talking to our kids this morning um, about some problems that we were having. And it's something that we've probably said daily for several years, it feels like, which maybe is life with a 10 and 12-year-old uh, brothers, and they're struggling to get along. 
and calling names and just getting into it and all this on a daily basis. Now, on some level, some of that probably is just socialization and learning conflict um, management and things like that that are just a normal part of human development, normal part of social interaction and relationships, and we can deal with that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what we notice is, is that as parents, we say things sometimes hundreds of times, and yet the kids don't get the message. They know what we've said. They know what we've instructed. They know what the rules are, but they're still doing what they shouldn't be doing. And the same is true with our intellect, our head knowledge of Scripture. In Churches of Christ, we were known as like the people of the book. There was an old joke that in a court of law, if they were missing a Bible, they could bring out a Church of Christ member. You could just put your hand on that person, and that would be just as good because they know the we know the words so so well. But what is it exactly that we're actually trying to restore? Is it five acts of worship? Is it five steps of salvation? Or is there something deeper? Is there something more? And I really believe that there is something deeper and that there is something more. And that the avenue to that is not just more knowledge of Scripture, although we can certainly learn more about Scripture. I believe that the path to restoration comes through prayer because there is no restoration movement without prayer. There has never been a movement of God's people without prayer. And so if we go back to the book of Acts, which we've said this is our book, we only make it 14 verses before we find them praying. They are praying for Judas's replacement. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the 3,000 are baptized, we see them praying again. The people are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. It's just the very next verse, the very next chapter, I should say, in chapter 3, verse 1, that Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. They're, they're immersed in prayer. They are people of prayer. It is heart and soul of who they are. We've said we're people of the book, but are we people of prayer? We have the scriptures, but do we have the relationship? We have the head knowledge, but do we have the heart knowledge? And so we have to be people of prayer. And this carries on in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 3, when they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, they find a, a lame man there, they heal him, it causes a ruckus, the Sanhedrin comes in, and it says the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law begin to question them. They throw them in jail overnight, and Peter and John come into the Sanhedrin, and they get questioned, and they notice that they are unskilled ordinary men, but that they had spent time with Jesus. And Peter and John say that they cannot obey what the Sanhedrin has said. Instead, they must obey Jesus. And what they are told in Acts chapter 4, I believe it's verse 28, is that they should not speak or teach any more in this name. And then Peter and John are released, and they go back to the believers, and they tell the believers exactly what was said, and they pray this amazing, bold prayer in Acts chapter 4. And they say Enable your servants to speak even more boldly in the name of Jesus. They are people who are committed to prayer. And they're committed to prayer because they're committed to their Father. They're committed to their Lord. See, we can be people of the book and we can be restoration people in principle, but not be people of prayer. And that means that there is no restoration and there is no movement if there is no prayer. 
The early church could not replace Judas without prayer. They could not go on mission, Acts 13, without fasting and prayer. When the Holy Spirit tells them as they're fasting, and then they go back into praying, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for this mission. And then they go back into prayer, and then they send them out. Church, there should be no decisions made without prayer. There should be not even the smallest thing gone forward without prayer. It changes the culture of everything because it reminds us that we are not in charge, but that God is sovereign, but that God is on his throne, but that God is the one who is over all things. He sees the end from the beginning, and he wants to walk us through into new life, new mission, new purpose and movement. The reason that the restoration movement stopped moving is because we prayed as if we had it together. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? Thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. Guide, guard, and direct us. Let us have a healthy, steady, ready recollection of the things that we've heard this morning. And we became so rote, so predictable, so neutered. Because we also then neglected the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. There is no movement without prayer, and there is no movement without absolute reliance on the work of the Holy Spirit, not just as a doctrine to say we believe in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. It's all intellectual. We know the Bible. It's all intellectual. But convert that potential energy into kinetic energy and begin leaning into the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and watch and see what God will do. Because the early church was nothing if it was not being a people of prayer. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3. And on and on it goes. And And the early church was nothing if they were not a movement of the Holy Spirit. Church, if we want to be the movement that God wants us to be, if we want to be like these New Testament Christians like we so say we want to be, then we have to take ourselves out of control, which we never were anyway, and give it all back over to the Lord because it's his church. And this is why we're stuck. Because I can give you a plan, I can give you a strategy, I can give you elder equipping, I can give you seminars, I can give you workshops, we can make all sorts of online trainings, we can make discipleship courses, we can make it simple, we can make it doable, we can make it free, we can pour it all out there. But as long as we think we're running the show, it's pointless. As long as we're not humbling ourselves in prayer, it's pointless. As long as we neglect the work of the Holy Spirit, it's pointless. As long as we neglect the work of the Holy Spirit, guys, it's pointless. You want to restore New Testament Christianity, you say, well, just we just need to study harder. Maybe so. And go to the scriptures that talk about prayer in the Holy Spirit and say, why haven't we done this? And third is making disciples. How can we be a faithful church and not make disciples? How can we be a faithful church and not reach the nations? 
How can we, because we say, well, we pay a missionary to do that. We pay, pay a preacher to do that. Jesus did not say, you preachers and missionaries, go out into all the nations and make disciples of them. This is something we're supposed to be doing. And it's not just, he didn't say, throw money at a program so someone else could do it. This is something we're supposed to be doing. We have to be people of prayer. We have to be people of the Spirit, and we have to get back to mission in our own backyard. Some of the most divisive people I have ever known are complacent Christians. They are not people of prayer. They do not rely on the work of the Holy Spirit, and they are not on mission. If you take a Christian off of mission, because we said our mission is to have the five acts of worship right and get it right as a corporate assembly. That's the mission. That's not the mission. The Bible never said that was the mission. When we make the mission things the Bible never said was the mission, then we're being unbiblical. We're being liberal. But what I want us to understand is that we have to get back to mission, the Holy Spirit, and prayer. And the most divisive, unfruitful people I've ever met are people who don't have a good prayer life, people who don't think the Holy Spirit does anything, and people who are absolutely not on mission. When we leave the mission and we get lazy, that is when we get complacent and we just get it in a mess. Look at David when he sinned with Bathsheba. Notice the very opening verse of that chapter. It says that all the men had gone off to war and David stayed back. That's a recipe for disaster. He's not out there fighting the good fight. He's sitting back at the palace, just kind of making, just biding time when everybody else is out there getting blown up. So these are three things. If we are to restore New Testament Christianity, if we are to be like them as we say we want to be like them, if we're serious about that, then we are going to have to embrace these three things. And if we miss even one of them, we will never be who we're supposed to be. We will never impact the world as God has called us to impact the world. And our churches will be stagnant. Our churches will be in decline. But I'm going to tell you, if you put God to the test, you humble yourself in prayer, you make yourself completely reliant to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, and you devote yourself to making disciples and being a, a Christian and or church on mission. God will never let you down. He will never let you down. So do not give up. Do not lose heart. And if you're a part of a, of a group of a church that is just falling apart and just is never going to seem to make it, go back to these three things. And if no one else will do it, at least you will do it. Because your faithfulness is not dependent on anyone else. And your definition of what faithfulness looks like does not get defined by anyone else. Not even It doesn't get defined by me. Go back to the scriptures. Search them and see if what I am telling you is true. And I promise you that as you execute on these things, not as just more checkboxes, but in real life, real time, dependence upon God, you will put him to the test and you will watch and see how he works because he is good and he is powerful. And there are better days ahead, but it's going to be 
a little bit of a rough road. It's going to take some leadership. It's going to take us getting past our fears. It's going to take new kinds of conversations. Are you with me? Can we get a movement moving again? Can we watch this movement move? Can we watch it grow? Can we stop the decline? The only way to do that, what's the, the commonality between prayer, the Holy Spirit, and being disciple makers, which Jesus says that if you do that, lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Complete, absolute reliance on God in all things. The moment we made ourselves the focus, the moment we did that and, and made it about our own power, because we, oh, the Holy Spirit's not really doing much, so we pray like the Holy Spirit's not doing much, we do mission like the Holy Spirit's not doing much, and then it's just left to us. And then we just shrivel up and die. And I don't want to see that happen. So there are better days ahead, but it's going to take fearless leadership. And by that, I mean servant leaders who are willing to submit to the lead of God. Come what may, get out there and get your hands dirty, get to know people, get out in the world, meet your neighbors, and just pray that God would send the workers into the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you are in the earshot of my voice and you are a Christian, you are amongst those workers. And I'm praying for a harvest. I'm praying for fruitfulness. I'm praying for maturity. And I'm praying for God's church to rise up and to embrace our mission. God bless you. Love you. We're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep beating the drum. Let's see things move again. Not because it's not about me. It's not about this. It's not about wineskins. This could shrivel up and die next week, and the kingdom rolls on. God bless you. Good days ahead. Let's, it's, it, it, it's, it's time. It's time. See you soon.